Hello and welcome to the Millennial Minimalist Podcast. I am your host, Kelly Foss, and together with my co-host, Lauren Morley, our mission is to help you simplify your life and live with greater intention. Together, let's live more with less. Hi, everyone. Today, we are speaking about how to let go of unhealthy habits and create new, better habits that stick. And to lead this conversation, I am joined by best-selling author, simplicity blogger, podcaster, and husband and father to six, the incredible Leo Babauta. Leo is widely recognized for his top 25 blog called Zen Habits, where he writes about how to implement Zen habits to help us find simplicity and mindfulness in the daily chaos of our lives. And today, Leo is on a mission to change 100 million lives through his uncertainty training program called the Fearless Living Academy, where he helps people struggling with sustaining change or being consistent in forming good habits. You will learn how to let go of mental clutter, manage distractions, sustain effective focus, cultivate a greater sense of purpose, and most significantly, you will discover how to stop doing and start being. Be inspired to shift your outdated habit patterns and create new, better habits that help you foster a simpler, more intentional life. I have to tell you from the top that it was you that originally inspired me to simplify my life. Oh, So uh, to connect with you today is huge. Oh, <laughs> uh, really and, cool. And it's, you know, I started reading your blog originally, mm. and then mm -hmm. I started reading your books. And my favorite is Zen Habits, the handbook. Oh, you nice. cover everything, everything you need to know about how to simplify your life and live with greater intention. And I actually read it a second time. And oh, uh, I was like, oh, it's so interesting reading it a second time after mm. living this lifestyle for over five years now. Yeah, there's always like a new layer, right? That we can get out of something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. really cool. Like you're a changed person. Totally. And I want to give a shout out to Joshua Becker because he introduced us. So shout out to him. Oh, wow. uh, I'm so glad that yeah. he connected the two of us. It's great. It's nice to see yeah. thought leaders in the simple living space all connecting mm. and working together. I really love that. And I let our listeners know that uh, you're coming up as an interviewee and everyone's so excited. <laughs> Oh, cool. <laughs> Everyone's so excited to hear your insights, you know, on everything from simplicity to mindfulness. You talk about habit change and a lot of our listeners want to hear about your story. And I, I knew going into it, into this interview, I was like, I thought I knew your story, but I didn't know the depth of your story. It's pretty amazing. So to open oh, our you. conversation, can you share your journey to simplicity and the experiences that inspired you to start your blogs and habits? Sure. It was really just wanting to change my life. I'll take you back to 2005, a little while ago. I was living in Guam with my family. That's where I'm from. I was married, had five kids and one on the way. We're mm -hmm. like a big Brady Bunch kind of family with a mixed, like um, we had from previous relationships and came together and we had more together. Uh, so big family, but I was not necessarily where I wanted to be uh, we were deeply in debt and like trying to get out of it and really struggling to make ends meet. I was not doing good with my health. I was a smoker. I was sedentary, like couldn't couldn't stick to an exercise program, really bad diet, like a lot of junk food and processed foods. I was overweight and procrastinator. Like I couldn't, I couldn't get anything to stick. And so I was trying to change all of these things. It wasn't like I was just fine with it, but I, I actually wanted to change all of them. And I kept failing. And so I'm like, there's got to be like something that could actually make this change, like turn this around. And so I decided I'm going to start with one thing. And that was actually one of my first simple acts is just like choose one habit to start with. And it was quitting smoking. And the reason I did that because my wife was going to start smoking again if I was still smoking when she was done with her pregnancy. So mm -hmm. I'm like, so she's done it before. So I'm like, okay, if I quit, maybe she'll stay quit. Cause she was already like not smoking. So I was like, okay, I think it could actually be the thing that turns both of us around. So I, if that's actually a hard one to, to start with is quitting smoking. I wouldn't recommend it as a starting point, but for me, it actually, I was really motivated. So I promised her, I promised my daughter who is 12 that I was going to quit my oldest daughter. And so I had tried a bunch of times, like seven times before and failed, which is very mm -hmm. common. People will fail a bunch of times and then finally make it stick. So I think those actually helped me to learn what I need to learn to actually make it work. So I put a lot of research into it I and I actually made it uh, stick. And we can dig into habits if you want to, but mm -hmm. um, 
I figured out what made that work. And then I started meditating partly to replace or mostly to replace the stress relief of smoking. And then I started running mm. and I couldn't even run like 10 minutes. And so I was just like really struggling. And so I, uh, I kept progressing with those and I ran my first 5k, which was like a huge victory. And then I'm like, I can run 5k. I could probably run a marathon, which was kind of funny, but anyway, amazing. <laughs> so I committed to a marathon a year later. So the end of 2006, the whole year of 2006, I, I was committed to running that first marathon and I trained and I did it barely. And let, later on ran two more marathons and an ultra marathon. I changed my diet. So I started losing weight. I lost, I think at one point it was about 70 pounds total. You know, wow. it was a, a lot of ups and downs, but yeah, 70 pounds. And then what else? I started waking up earlier. I started decluttering. I started um, getting better at focus and less procrastinating. Started getting out of debt. Finally, like got debt free. And I then I started embracing simplicity and eventually minimalism. I also changed to vegetarian and eventually vegan. So just like all my whole life changed. And um, that's when I started the blog in 2007, uh, really to chronicle all of that, just like put it all into into writing and share it. I hope other people could get something out of it. Also get some, you know, continued motivation for myself because my marathon was over. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to like still find motivation. And so I started writing about simplicity, mindfulness, productivity, and habit change. And the blog took off in 2007. I quit my day job by the end of that year, uh, sold a book deal and um, never looked back. So <laughs> Wow. Okay. So I had heard that you quit smoking on the School of Greatness podcast with Lewis Howes. Mm, you, you, the yeah. two of you discussed that. I'm a big fan of his work. Okay. And you then went into the other habits that you started to work on, the unhealthy habits that you started to let go of. It seems mm -hmm. like the correlation between all of these new habits that you started adopting and all the bad habits that you started letting go of is mm. mindfulness. It was like mindfulness training. I think that's really what the core of it was, right? It really was. And if if you ever do mindfulness training, one of so let's say you sit down and meditate every day, right? Mm -hmm. There's two pieces of it. One of it is the actual mindfulness, which is like paying attention and really having your attention like focused on the what's going on right now. But the other piece of it is structure. So when people if people want to meditate or practice mindfulness, they might be just like, I'm just gonna be more mindful all of the time. And that doesn't doesn't work, right? So structure really helps because you can say, I'm gonna meditate at 6 a.m. You know, it doesn't have to be 6 a.m., but let's just say 6 a.m. every day for 10 minutes. And you set a timer and you do nothing else. And that's structure because you're not like checking your email, you're not looking at Instagram, you're not doing anything else but sitting and and meditating for those 10 minutes. So I really found that works for habits as well, is it is a mindfulness practice and it requires structure as well. And the structure helps you to be more mindful. So for example, I said, I'm not going to quit smoking today. I'm going to quit in two weeks. So that was like really like putting, you know, drawing a line in the sand. I'm actually going to like commit to that. And after that, I'm not going to have a single puff, not, not a single puff. And if I ever did, I would have to I think I had an accountability partner. So I was like going to contact them if I ever like had the urge to do it. That's and great. I had to post on this like online forum. So it was like all this structure was holding me in place to actually practice. And then the actual practice was, so I had urges, you know, just like any human being, you have urges to do the thing you ha habitually do. Yep. And so because I had set the structure in place, I and I had get, gotten rid of all the cigarettes, so I would have had to drive to the store to get it. Because I had all of that, I could actually notice the urge now. Before, I couldn't because it was just like, I'm just going to you know, not smoke. But then you know, right now it's okay. And then I'll, I'll quit later. And so because there was no structure before, I couldn't notice the urges when they came up. I would just do it. And that's actually how we most, you know, we're addicted to our phones. We have no structure. So we just don't notice the urge to look at the phone. We just look. Same thing with food, you know, cravings. Same thing with really anything that you're into. We don't have any structure, so we don't notice the urge. So because I had structure, I was able to notice, oh, I'm having, I'm having an urge right now. I want to like go drive to the store. And so I was able to like turn my attention mindfully towards the urge, which is like a, for me, it was like a tightness in the chest and this like kind of rising stress, really like an anxiety almost. And um, actually it was anxiety. So I didn't recognize it as that, but I just felt the feeling and the pra the mindfulness practice was just stay there with it. 
like not run to do something, pay attention mm -hmm. to it, breathe if I could, and it would rise and then I get really strong. But I learned through repeated practice that I could actually stay with it. And that changed my whole life. I could go back and say like, Leo, this is really important. Don't, you know, like, don't neglect this. That would be the thing is being willing to like turn toward the urge and stay with it and just learn that it was just a bodily experience in the moment, as opposed to this crappy thing about myself that like I couldn't mm -hmm. control. That really allowed me to change, not just the smoking, but everything. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to run right now. Like, you know, I had planned to run at 6 PM. So it was time to run and I didn't want to, I just wanted to like be lazy. Right. Not, you know, that's a little judgmental, but like, I just wanted to like not do anything. So I would just watch. I'm like, Ooh, like so this real like resistance towards turning out to the, the run. And I would like stay with that. And then I would say, okay, all I have to do is put my shoes on. So little things like that, but I was able to work with that, put my shoes on thing because I could see the urge to not uh, run the resistance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I interviewed Dr. Judd Brewer. Are you familiar with him? Mm. He's a mm -hmm. neuroscientist. Anxiety. Yeah. So he wrote the book Unwind Your Anxiety. And he talks about yeah. how self-motivation isn't enough for the majority of us and that we need to be aware of our sensations. So you were talking about that, that awareness yeah. piece. Hey, this is what's happening. And then instead of running away from it, you know, surf the waves is the idea. You know, That's surf right. it. Surfing kind of the urge. Yeah, surf the urge. Yeah. And then after that, then you can you can start working on building that new habit, which is great. Another another person um, I want to mention is Nirael. He wrote the book Indistractable. Right. And so when you were talking about mindfulness training, he talks about mindfulness training as well and mm -hmm. how we can set certain packs to motivate us to or to help us in the process of adopting a new habit. So he says, uh, effort packs, for example, turn off the Wi-Fi at a certain time. So you're not distracted yeah. <laughs> by the internet or something. But I like the way you said, Hey, put your shoes out. So, you know, you, you're, you're almost ready to run. All you need to do is put them on. And then That's I right. think you said something about a price pack. You had someone like, if you didn't do something by, Oh, if you didn't quit smoking by X time, there's a price to pay. So that's yeah. super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. And it's put in such a, a really like helpful way. Yeah. Packs, you know, I, agreements would be another way that I put it or structure. So these are all like ways to like hold us to into our, our, our intention. Yeah. Motivation is great. Like it is great to actually be motivated, but sometimes we need more than that. And um, I think structure packs, agreements, things like that, that have us actually able to practice with it. And then the mindfulness piece to, to come with that. I think they, they have to work together because sometimes people just want like, I just want to like hold myself with these packs and that can work up to so long because you're, you're kind of like forcing yourself. And, but there's a, the other piece of it is like working with the mindfulness, which is like you have, if you don't, if you're forcing yourself, it's great. But like, what is it that's making it having to be a, a force? Like, why, why do you have to force yourself? So there's resistance. And so if you could actually turn towards the resistance and practice with that mindfully it actually just becomes an experience as part of as part of the thing so if you were like trying to run there's resistance or write a book or whatever it is that you want to do mm -hmm. if you could actually turn toward the resistance you're like oh this is a part of writing every writer has resistance mm -hmm. every runner has resistance right i'm sure you you can you, you do both of those so i'm sure you yeah. can relate yeah, no, I yeah. definitely can. And I, I, I wanted to point out, so um, obviously you inspire people to adopt a Zen lifestyle through your books, your podcast, mm -hmm. which is called the Zen Habits Podcast is fairly new. And right. on one of the recent episodes, you talk about how to sustain effective focus. And it's been one of my favorite to date, uh, specifically how to sustain effective focus when it comes to pursuing a passion project, which yeah. I also have a passion project on the side. And so it was really helpful uh, what is to it? me. Well, everyone keeps asking me, when are you going to write a book? Okay. <laughs> so there's that. It's about time. <laughs> and then there's also a bigger business idea to help people, specifically uh, baby boomers, declutter their homes so that uh, their adults' children don't have to take their excess stuff that they don't actually want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So At well. one point or another, right? Like there's, it's going to happen. Yeah, so exactly. Why not? Yeah. Start to yep. do that consciously and sooner. Yeah. I really love uh, that. 
Absolutely. So I'm hoping you can share some tips on how we can keep focus, specifically keeping in mind that there is fear as well as other forms of resistance that comes along the way when it comes to pursuing a passion project. Yeah, well, that's that's my whole first season of my podcast is about. So uh, definitely check out Zen Habits podcast if you if you want like a deeper dive. But I'd love to share like some of the most like the some of the most impactful ones here. So the first thing is getting really clear on like the why. Like you know, there's a great book on this by Simon Sinek called Start with Why. If you haven't read that yet, and that's really just like you, this is the start of it. And we often will do it without getting clear on that. It's just like, oh yeah, I, I know I want to. But there's a lot of times it's a should mm. is the why. It's like, oh, I feel like I should do this or this is something that, yeah. But I didn't hear that in what you said. So you could hear in what you said that there was there's some, something behind it. There's maybe a little bit of like, people keep telling me, when are you going to write a book? But yeah. I really feel like there's this is a book that's been wanting to get out of you mm-hmm. is my sense of it. And the same thing with baby boomers. There's like helping them to change this. Like there's something deeper in that for you and for them that's really meaningful, right? You could really feel like it's not just just about the clutter, although clutter is really important, but it's like the freedom in their lives and the the peace of mind of not having to pass this down to their kids and and all of that, right? So this is what we start with is like, why do I care about this? What would be mm-hmm. amazing about this if I were able to do it? And people are not connected to this in their daily lives. When we go about doing our, our work or answering messages or emails, we're just doing it because we should, or we just do it like without any awareness of like, why does answering this email matter to me? Why do I care about this? Why does, why would it be really meaningful or amazing or joyful or whatever it is? Why is running the 5k a good thing? You know, it's like, it is a good thing. Like it's healthier, you know, it's like what I should be doing, but is there something else besides the should and that it's good for you? Like, oh yeah, actually I would like to be doing be outdoors more and it it makes me feel so alive and I love connecting with other people and it's just making it fun as opposed to like just grinding it out and making this grueling like punishment for myself (laughs) for all of my sins so so we start with the why what's the real motivation and if you feel some shoulds or like it, it would be a good thing I would say go go deeper and if you can't find anything then I would say maybe choose something else right maybe that's not the thing this is a challenge for people. So it's a kind of a deep topic is really getting in touch with what your heart's desire is. But if you have that, I would say, put that front and center somewhere, write down your deeper reason and put it right in front of you where you're going to write your book. Or if you're going to go out for a 5k, put it next to your shoes and say, you're doing this to feel like joyful and alive in the outdoors or whatever it is, right? Be on an adventure. So you do that. And then another thing would be to commit yourself. Actually, so people will be like, oh, it'd be great to write a book. But then like, when are you going to do it? Like, Mm -hmm. we don't actually have any particular like time or deadline or any of that kind of stuff. You're making (laughs) me think about what is my why. And for me, Uh. it's first of all, to solve a problem. And second, to give people who have excess stuff the opportunity to live their lives outside of that Mm. stuff. So a lot of the time people are losing time. So to give people time back is my goal. And, you know, working together, going through your family heirlooms can actually be a really interesting process and a very uplifting process. A sense of community can come from that. I love connecting with people. I love inspiring people. The reason why I do the podcast, the reason, the why behind that is to help people clear the excess so that they can not only identify their passion, but develop Mm. it and pursue mm. it. And so we we are very aligned there because yeah. I think the excess gets in our way. And for me, sure. it was th- what I needed in my life to do so. So for me today, I want to give that back to others. And do you feel in your heart, like what it feels like to like express that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so it's almost like flipping a switch because we're like turning this on this inspiration that's always available to us. But we're usually doing things without inspiration. So like not, I'm not pointing to you, but more just in general, how people turn towards a purpose project, a passion project, whatever your meaningful thing is. We just like, oh yeah, I'm going to do it because I said I would. And then you, it's just like this kind of like, I'm doing it, like forcing myself and we can turn on this inspiration, which, which is what you just did. Like I felt the inspiration Mm -hmm. in that it felt meaningful. Mm 
Yeah. So I would say, and you have to reconnect to that every time we start. So if you're going to sit down and write, reconnect to that as opposed to like, okay, it's time to write. I got to do it, mm. you know? So reconnect to that, but have structure. So when am I going to finish this book by? I do it by March 15th or whatever it is. And so you commit to a certain date. How, you know, when am I going to do, when am I actually going to sit down and do some focus sessions? I like doing focus sessions with other people, by the way. So um, if I'm having a lot of resistance and having trouble doing it on my own, I will get on a Zoom call with someone else and they'll write their book while I write mine. No kidding. And, uh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. love that. And in fact, I created that. I have a thing called Fearless Living Academy where I have a bunch of courses, but I also, one big cool part is we have a, every day there's a focus session. And one of them is the one that I lead today, actually. So I'll be on there and other people are going to join me and I'm going to focus on my thing, which is creating my retreat next month. And, um, and then they're going to each say what they're going to do. And we spend an hour together on zoom on mute and then check out at the end of the time and say, here's how it went. And actually they work like magic, freaking magic. I'll tell you they, I, um, I've written books this way. I've, I've sat down, I've created courses. I do blog posts, all kinds of stuff using these focus sessions. No kidding. I've been doing yeah. that lately with someone else. Have you? So yes, I have yeah. doing focus sessions, not over Zoom though, or just in person, just being with someone else while I work. It's yeah, really, really motivating. Yeah. Yeah. You actually, in your latest episode of your podcast, you talk about accountability, have mm -hmm. accountability partners. And I think you mentioned that you have uh, your family. Uh, I think you That's have right. a group chat or something and you keep each other accountable each day. And I think you mentioned you each share a photo of what you did that day or some, some type of, uh, we do a little check-in. Yeah. Check so, yeah. So that one, actually we just started a new challenge. So every, so what we do is we, um, we've been doing this most of this year and it's a 33 day fitness challenge. And so we commit to it. Like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do yoga every day or a run or, or lift weights or whatever. So each person chooses their own. I also add a, a diet component because I was trying to lose a little bit of weight. And so, but it's, you just choose your own adventure and you commit to it at the beginning. And then every day we just post at the end of the day, how did it go? Like, oh, I took a rest day or I mm. did my yoga or whatever. And so it's like a little bit of a celebration with others of what you're able to create. And I'll tell you, I've been more motivated around fitness using those challenges. We've probably done like, five, we're on our fifth one probably. So wow. we, I've been more motivated on those than I have been for years with fitness since I ran my ultra marathon like a decade ago. So, mm. um, and then also my kids have been like, so it's my kids and my wife and they've all been super motivated too. And they're like, I'm like at the end of the last one, I'm like, does anyone want to do another one? Yes, let's do it because it's really making a big difference. Uh, one other place I'm using my family is I'm writing a book about my grandmother. I interviewed her, all her stories. She's 94. Okay. No and so I'm writing a book about her life. And I use my mom now as my my accountability partner. Every week on Monday, I, I email her and say, this is what I'm going to do on the book this, this week. And then after I'm done, I send her the chapters or the little piece of writing that I did. And um, I'm using that. That's just while I've been doing the podcast so for the last month or so. And um, using that, I'm almost done with the book now because of, yeah, I've been working on it for years, but just kind of sporadically. But because of my accountability with my mom, I'm actually almost done with the book. And I wow. like, I can't wait to get this in my grandmother's hands because she keeps asking me like, are you still writing that book on me? And so <laughs> I'm like, yes, it'll be done soon. Don't worry. Oh, um, that is so helpful. I love it. I, I, I mean, I'm sure some of our listeners are thinking you have six children. I know two are teenagers, right? Four adult children. Actually, Four yeah, two are teenagers. One of them is 19, so he, he's an adult. And then the other one's 17 now. Okay. So she's like almost an adult. We're almost done pushing them all out the nest. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> and I'm curious. Yeah. I know you mentioned at the top of this discussion that you moved from Guam to San Francisco. And mm -hmm. I read that you moved with simply backpacks on each of your backs. That's it. However, you mentioned that your wife loves shopping. Your children <laughs> were very messy when it came to toys and stuff like that. Well, it's usually the case with kids, but I'm curious how you inspired them to change their ways and embrace a Zen lifestyle. I tried dragging them, kicking and screaming, and that doesn't work. So mm. <laughs> I'll tell you, just like trying to like force people to change. It's a losing battle. So I would say, don't do that. <laughs> so first thing is I said, I'm going to start with myself. So I, I was really working on making all these changes. 
and I tried to like, you know, get them to change and they weren't into it. And so I just wanted to set, be the model. And so mm -hmm. I would share with them, like, here's how it's going, simplifying. I was like throwing everything out and like, oh, I feel so good about it. And, and so I was telling them all about the diet changes and the, and the running and everything. And they, they were like interested. And so that was really cool. And I, with my wife, I would share links with her that I was reading about so that she could be along the journey with me as opposed to I'm making a bunch of changes on my own and now you have to do it too. Mm -hmm. And like all of a sudden, like expecting her to be in the same place as me, but she hadn't been along on the ride. So I shared stuff with her. She was interested, but just kind of, kind of like not uh, as into it as me. And so I would just lead by example and then invite her. And inviting people into stuff often is better than trying to like say you should. It's more like, oh, I'm having a lot of fun with this. Would you like to be a part of it? Yeah. And so like inviting her to like go out on runs with me or walks. Eventually she started doing some like walking and then run walking. And now we run together sometimes. Inviting her to like eat some of my vegetarian food. She mm -hmm. was very resistant to that. She's now a vegan, probably wow. even more hard hardcore than me. But um, so it was like just kind of sharing with people and letting them in and inviting them, inviting people into challenges with my um, kids. I, I invited them into fitness challenges when they were teenagers. And even in elementary school, we were like, let's do a push-up challenge. And it was like fun to kind of like do it all together. Yeah. Uh, drawing challenges. We did simplicity challenges where like, let's see how many things we can give away to people. Mm -hmm. um, and so for them, simplicity it had to come with like a reason because me thinking that minimalism is better than you know clutter they didn't have the same idea like they're like no like more toys is always better mm -hmm. and so I said well you haven't played with a bunch of these toys for like over a year and it's hard to find any of the ones that you actually do want to so it's they're kind of getting in the way and like mm -hmm. wouldn't it be cool if some kids got to play with us who don't have toys and then you get to get rid of those and play with the ones you actually do care about. Mm -hmm. So that was the kind of thing that we would do. And so we would like, like, let's see how many we can donate to people. And so they, they're like always up for a challenge. That's one thing I really liked. Not always, but they're often, they often are. And I have to also be okay with their no, mm -hmm. because if, if they're like a no, and I'm like, you know, like you can't be a no, it's not yeah. really ever going to be a yes. They're just doing it because like dad's telling you to. Right. And I didn't really like that model of having people choose into things from a place of like you should or guilting them or like trying to coerce them. That's mm -hmm. actually what I was doing with myself. And that doesn't work. So I had to like find another way of, again, trying to find the why for them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I like these simplicity challenges. That's such a great idea. I'm going to go yeah. into that a little bit more. I'm going to yeah, I'm, I'm going to share that with a few people that have been asking me, like, how do I convince my husband to adopt these <laughs> these lifestyle uh, habits? Challenges and are good. They are. They are really yeah. good. I also love the idea of just leading by example. I find for me, people come to my house, they see how I live and they're like, wow, I'm so inspired. And they either start with declutter in their closet or something else in their life. And as you shared at the top of this discussion, you can start like you you change one habit and then everything can change from there. You stop smoking and then you started decluttering other areas of your life. It was amazing. I love it. It it's just snowballs. starts from one area. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it snowballs. Absolutely. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I also want to talk to you about distractions because mm. we mentioned that earlier. And in your blogs and habits, you talk about how you let go of many distractions in your life from needless shopping to checking your email more than three times a day to picking up your mm -hmm. phone way too often. And you also mm -hmm. let go of a few social media apps. I know you're back online a little bit right now, but I think you, you, you're limited yeah. in a couple others. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm back on, on, actually I even joined TikTok, which is kind of interesting because oh, okay. I, I, I've been like avoiding it because of how like addicting it is for people. But the way that I engage with social media, just to to speak to that topic is that I, I mostly just post, I don't, I don't consume. Mm. So that's, yeah. And I, I don't either, I don't keep the app on my phone or if I find myself actually checking it and, you know, are people liking my stuff or whatever, then I'd, I'll delete it. Mm. And so um, that's just a way for me to like keep my own sanity, not because I think they're evil or anything like that, 
but yeah, so your question is around focus, focus and distractions, right? Yeah. So you argue in your works that a lot of us suffer from distraction syndrome. And I was like, yep, yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> uh, and so I'm curious, what rituals do you suggest we implement to cure these distractions? Yeah, well, my, uh, so I've been evolving on that. So I, I definitely still believe that. So the first thing is rituals, I think are really important. Mm. And rituals, I want to just say that they're distinct from just kind of habits or routines in that they're elevated above the kind of normal. And this is, you could actually see this in religion. Like a lot of us have some kind of connection to religion in our past, but religion has rituals and there are ways to kind of find the sacred in our everyday. So like, even if it's like a prayer or, you know, going to church with other people. We're creating rituals of community. We're creating rituals of intention and gratitude. And even if you're not religious, those are really important. And we, if we replace them with nothing, like we've lost out. And so for rituals of focus, well, the way that I think about it is you are creating some intentional space and time for you to actually devote yourself to something that you care about. And devotion is something that we rarely have these days. We just mm. kind of churn through stuff. But actually devoting ourselves is really being there with it, really pouring ourselves into it, really caring about it. It's the devotion of a you know parent to their child, that kind of thing, or to your to your aging parent. So this is the kind of devotion that we could bring to anything. Book writing would be a great example, running or anything that we're doing. So actually creating a, a focus ritual. So if you wanted to write, create some space where you're actually going to write. And make it really elevated. So like, do you want to play some music? Do you want candles? Do you want like a clear space that's really simple? Mm -hmm. Do you want to have some intention that you've written down, you know, connection to your why? And actually like really honor that. And it's a practice because there's going to be times when we just don't feel like it. We're just like, oh, like I can do it tomorrow, which is actually why we don't focus mm -hmm. is that we, we feel at that moment when you want to put it off, there's like, uh, like really feeling some attachment to answering emails or to comfort or whatever it is that we, we have that's getting in the way of that. And so practicing with it is like, oh, could I actually open, let go of the thing that I was just doing or that I feel called towards? Like I want to go and answer a bunch of emails. And can I let go of that and turn toward something that really matters? That's a practice and it's not easy. It doesn't come for free. We have to actually practice it. And some days we just won't empower that and other days be like okay what's getting in the way mm -hmm. what can i actually let go of and so when i said i i was evolving the thing that i've been evolving around is looking at the thing underlying the distraction so if you're going and checking instagram or tiktok or whatever the practice there would be are you willing to like put that off for you know 10 seconds 30 seconds one minute something like that so just create a little bit of space and then sit and notice what is there right then. Probably some kind of stress. So just look and see like, do you feel any kind of stress, anxiety, any kind of fear is coming up for you? Any kind of like, ugh, like that kind of thing, you know, frustration, what, what's present for you? And if you could just breathe and sit with that, it's our inability to sit with that, whatever that feeling is that makes us want to go to distraction. Mm -hmm. So if you could just breathe and sit with that for a few moments, it doesn't have to be long, you're actually going to be training your mind, training yourself to have a capacity to be with anything in life a little bit at a time. And the interesting thing is if you can sit with that for a while, you can train yourself and you can be like, I can sit with this for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Like whatever is coming up for me, like one that's coming up for me lately is helplessness, which I'm like, oh, I don't ever want to feel helpless. Mm -hmm. So if I could just sit with helplessness for a little bit, it's just a human emotion. I could just sit with that. I don't actually need to go and do all of the things that I think I need to do. And so I'm not saying I don't still write the book or work on things, but I'm not as like frenetically driven by my anxiousness and helplessness, fear of helplessness. Mm. I can actually sit. And so if you train with this and sit with a thing that you don't want to be with for a little bit, eventually the need to get away from it goes away and the need for distractions actually mm. melts away. Very well said. Something that works for me is time blocking. I find mm. that I, I'm very, I have a time management system, which helps me. But that being mm -hmm. said, distractions still come in and out. So what I'll do in those moments where, first of all, I'll put my phone in another room 
And mm-hmm. originally when I started doing that, I found myself trying to reach for my phone and I would count yeah. how many times I was doing that. I was like, wow, oh, I'm, uh, I'm addicted. That's when you know yeah. you're addicted. And yeah. now I tell myself, okay, at this time of the day, you can check social media and you can do whatever, right? So I have yeah. time where I can just respond to certain distractions basically. Yeah. And it's so easy for us to be responsive every day. And we lose so much time doing that. Even with my work email, I'm like, I check it too often. And I'm trying to be better at that because you can just go down a rabbit hole because it's easy. Most of the time it's right. easy. And so right. I really love having that just a foundation first and then challenging myself to say, okay, I'm feeling hungry. Like I want to grab a cookie because I work from home, for example. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. nope, you can't have that cookie until a half an hour later. And then I will sit there, (laughs) keep focusing. It's like a challenge. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What I love about that is like, you know, you can, you can do the social media at this time. And Mm -hmm. that not only creates the space for the focus and takes away the distraction for a while, but actually when you actually get to do it, you're giving yourself full permission to do it. It's not like it's just like anytime you feel like it, but it's like right now I'm really empowering that so I can really just be in it and it's guilt free. Like I can just feel really good about, you know, the social media or the messages or whatever it is that I'm going to do at that point. So I'm just giving myself full permission. And before that, I'm giving myself full permission for focus. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, it feels a lot more empowered when we do it that way, as opposed to just doing it whenever we feel like it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, And, you know, I'm, I'm very, I've, through this lifestyle, I've become hyper aware of mm. the messages that I'm receiving from these apps, especially on my personal account, especially Instagram. We get all these ads fed to us that mm. I looked at it uh, a couple of weeks ago and I just looked at it. And I'm like, none of this would make me happy. None of this mm. is real. Most of it is 90% is fake in my opinion, but in terms of like my minimalism Instagram, it's super inspiring. So I'm very intentional sure. about what I follow. Right. And so you have to Great. be very careful because I think a lot of the times when we are distracted or we succumb to distractions is because of an emotional issue. It's an internal mm. issue, an internal response right. in many, many ways. Right. Mir Ayal from, uh, he wrote the book Indistractable. He said that it's an emotional response and that the distraction starts within us sometimes. Right. So That's it's right. like we then turn to different things. And so I, I'm curious, what do you think some of the reasons why, other reasons why we succumb to distractions? Yeah, well, and that's similar to what I, what I was just saying is that there's some feeling that we don't want to be with, it's some emotion. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's like, usually, so like you're, you're feeling some anxiety about something that's going on. Mm-hmm. So like, let's say you, you're like, oh, I'm going to go check my email, which like you said, is super easy. Yeah. And then you get this one email in there that you don't even want to look at. So there's like, ah, uh, like that email, like you just anticipate that they're going to say something really bad about you. So you're mm-hmm. just like, oh God. And so you feel some anxiety about that. And so your email all of a sudden becomes this thing you just cannot stay in because you're feeling this thing. And so you might try and like ignore it for a little while and check some other emails, but eventually that thing will come back and you're just like, ah, and so you just want to like toss it out. We don't even realize this is going on, but you're having an emotional reaction to that email that's sitting there that you don't want to open. And so, you know, that's, that's one example, but there's a lot of examples like this. There's like, you get a message from someone, you have this upcoming meeting that you're stressed about, you know, there's this thing that you haven't been doing, you're procrastinating on it. And you're just like, oh, I know I need to be doing that. And so there's some kind of anxiety about any of these kinds of things. Those are just some common ones or someone's like mad at you, or you have to have this difficult conversation. These are all examples. So we have this anxiety and we want to just get away from it. One of, one of our biggest ways of dealing with anxiety or really any, any of these difficult emotions, sadness, grief, anger, frustration, is that we, um, we want to exit we try and exit from it. And so the ways that we exit usually are distractions. Phone would be a big, like a huge one. And so if you find yourself reaching for Instagram, TikTok, whatever it is that you go to, the the interesting thing is like, what's the emotion I'm feeling right now? And you could be like, you could even put that on your lock screen. What am I feeling right now? So as you pick up the phone, it shows you that message and you can be like, okay, let me put this down for like, you know, 20 seconds and just feel what I'm feeling. If you could be with that, it will actually change all of it because you don't need those distractions anymore. 
And then it's like, I can go to it when I feel like getting inspired by minimalists, uh, you know, on Instagram, because I feel like that, but I don't need to go to it because of the anxiety to get away from something. Mm. It'll mm. also make us, if we can practice with that, we can, it'll also make us more able to open that email that we're scared about. So we can just feel the fear, be with the fear, bring breath to it, bring love. And then you can actually open that email and you can be like, okay, I have a little bit of fear around it, but I've dealt with a lot of it. And the way, the healthiest way to deal with an emotion that we're trying to get away from is just to be, just to let ourselves feel it without any extra stuff on top. Mm. We often will add stuff on top, which is like, I shouldn't be feeling afraid, or I don't want to feel sadness, or it sucks to feel frustration. Like there's something wrong with feeling these emotions. And so the best way to deal with these emotions is just saying, it's okay to feel whatever I'm feeling and let myself just feel it. Mm-hmm. And you can just feel what it is in the body. The thoughts will want to spin around. So you just turn toward the body and you just let yourself breathe and just feel the emotion. And if you can just do that, I would say if you actually practice with that multiple times a day, it will change your whole life because wow. you are going to not be needing to run from any emotions and you'll be more and more empowered about those emotions. Like it's okay to have those experiences. Like any emotion is okay to have. And you can just feel it and it doesn't need to be suppressed or run away from. So we usually try and suppress it. Like, I don't want to feel it. I'm going to you know, not feel this, this emotion, or I need to get away from it as soon as possible. And you don't need to do either of those things if you can just be with it. And in fact, it goes away after a little while because it's just a temporary sensation. Mm-hmm. And then you're just like, oh, I'm, I'm clear of it. And I can just go on and do the next thing. And mm-hmm. that will come up over and over again, especially if you have a lot of stuff that's been sitting there. But the more that you just let yourself feel it without adding anything extra, like the less you're going to, the more free you're going to be of it. Mm, very well said. I I recently read a, a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And mm. author Bronnie Ware mentions that space is medicine. And I was like, yes, mm. it's, it really is. Because I find yeah. that when I get in those moments where I'm in my head or I'm very anxious or I, I just feel like I you know, I saw an email that made me feel weird. I will Mm -hmm. say, Kate, don't go into it. Take five minutes, go on your couch, lay down, do something else because that way you can kind of clear your mind a little bit and then go back into it. I always tell our listeners, if you're feeling anxious and you've been working for hours, just go take that coffee break. Even if it's five minutes, just get out, come back. You'll feel so much better. I even, um, I have some, a lot of work to do right now. And I was like, I'm going to go for that five, six K run this morning before my interview with Leo. uh, So I did. And it makes me feel so much better. And it gives me that boost. And the first step is awareness, really being aware of how you're feeling in that moment and what is best for you in that moment. Right. You know, I always say it's the worst when you're on a high or something, and then you get distracted and you succumb to that distraction. And it's an email that makes you feel awful, or you got a message that caused some type of anxiety. And you're like, Oh, I was so excited for this thing that I'm going to, but just, as you said, take a moment (laughs) and then go back into it. So I love that. There's a lot of wisdom in that. So I, I also want to ask you, in the same book, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying, the first regret is, I'd wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. And for me, this minimalist lifestyle has given me the space to live authentically, embrace slow living, and and really just be my true self and help others you know, remove the excess so they can be their true selves and pursue the things that they actually want to do. So I'm curious, how has living a Zen lifestyle enabled you to be true to yourself? Yeah, that's, that is, that is so courageous. Thank you for like sharing like your courage to like actually choose into something, create Mm -hmm. the life that you want that's authentic to you. So a Zen lifestyle. So that's an interesting term. So Zen, you know, it's something I've been studying for years now. So I, I work with a Zen teacher. I'm a student and, um, for me, it is about authenticity. So it's sitting there and getting into the layer of being. So just like being here now, as opposed to the layer of doing or the layer of thinking. Like there's, we're, we're often doing or we're thinking, hmm. but we're not at the layer of being. So just like how you're experiencing this moment right now. And that comes without words and it can include doing, so you can still be doing from that place, but often we get too caught up in the doing and thinking. So sitting allows you to remove all of that and also have the intention to not think too much. You will think a lot, but 
eventually what you do is you start to like drop into the layer of being. And so that's really, for me, you know, and I'm, I have a limited understanding of Zen, but that's my understanding of it is, is just being. And whatever we're being in the moment, often, again, we think we shouldn't be being that. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid or I'm feeling distracted or frustrated or or anything. But whatever we're being in the moment is just what we're, it's just what the experience is. And so you start to accept all of your experience and who you're being. And that to me is authenticity. It's just be who you be in that moment. And like, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying you should be like crappy to other people. I'm saying that in the experience that like, let's say you just mistreated someone else. You could be like, oh, I shouldn't be that way. Well, it's true that you maybe you shouldn't have spoken to someone in that way, or, may, or maybe it, it was unhelpful. But the way you're being at that moment, which was like frustrated, that's okay. It's okay to be that. We might not do the same things from frustration, but if you accept your frustration, you might actually like do anything harmful from it. So it's just allowing yourself to be who you be. And so a Zen lifestyle for me is not just about like a lack of stuff, which, you know, it can include that for sure. It's not even about the lack of doing, but it's more about dropping into the layer of being and just allowing yourself to be, mm. including when you're doing. If I'm writing the book or out for my my run, I'm actually just allowing myself to fully be there in that. We rarely do that. We're often usually in the layer of thinking. So I'm out for my run and I'm like thinking all the time or I'm on a podcast or whatever it is. Not that there's anything wrong with thinking or podcasts. Podcasts are amazing. Thinking is also amazing. But how often do we just allow ourselves just to like be in the layer of being while we run? And that's really an amazing thing. That's just like feeling alive and joyful at like being in the outdoors and moving your body and just like feeling grateful for this moment. So that's the layer of being. And for me, that's, that is my way of living authentically expressed is just letting myself be in that layer as much as I can, which is not always for sure, but that's why I come back to that feels authentic to me. Wow. It's it's really at the end of the day, it's it's training our brains to be mm. mindful throughout each day. And you talk about how we live in a very chaotic time. And mm. it's partially why I believe that you started your program, the Fearless mm -hmm. Living Academy. And uh, I'm hoping you can share a little bit more about that program and some of the inner concerns that you help your clients with. Yeah, thank you for asking. So the main one is what you said, chaos. We live in chaotic times. And so life is chaotic. And we from that, we feel a lot of uncertainty, like mm -hmm. how to navigate our day. How do I you know, get all the stuff done? How do I live authentically? All of this stuff is filled with uncertainty. If you wanted to like launch a business or write a book and put it out in the world, we yeah. feel uncertainty. And so that's the main thing that I help people with is how do you actually deal with uncertainty? How do you actually embrace it and turn toward it and like practice mindfulness with it? And so in Fierce Living Academy, I have a lot of courses uh, in three different pillars. One of them is fearless habits. So learning to set those foundational habits for yourself. Another one is fearless purpose, which is how do you actually find that authentic purpose for yourself? Whatever is meaningful. You don't have to change your job, but you could, or you could find purpose within your current job or within whatever you're doing in your life, um, leading your family, leading something in your community. And so fearless purpose and then fearless uh, impact, which is actually take that purpose and actually make an impact in the world, work mm -hmm. with the resistance that comes up. And so that's that's what Fearless Living Academy is. We have like a community of people. We do monthly call, live calls and we do a monthly challenge in there around uncertainty. And so that's again, more of the challenges and accountability and structure, but actually create something new for yourself through action. And that's actually how it works because a lot of people want to learn through listening or watching or reading. So mm -hmm. I'm going to sign up for a bunch of courses or read a bunch of books, and then I'll know how to do it. And the hope is that we won't have any uncertainty after that. It's like, I'm going to learn how to do it and I'll know how to do it. And I don't have uncertainty. It doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. yeah. As you know, like you can watch all the courses, read all the books, listen to all the podcasts, and they are helpful. I don't want to like diminish them, but you'll still have uncertainty on the other side of that. And you will be a year later having read all of that and still have still be in the same place, which is full of uncertainty. So I would say before you know how to do it, start doing it. Before you know how to write the book, start writing. Like mm -hmm. I don't know how to write a book. Great. Just start open a Google Doc and start writing. 
<laughs> share it with people before you know, you know, if they're going to like it before you know, for sure, that this is going to make an impact. How would you know until you start putting it out? And so we, by putting stuff out there, by actually taking action, by getting feedback, this is actually how we discover purpose and how we create impact. And that's hard to do because we have uncertainty, but from our uncertainty, we will just not do that. And none of this gets created. You don't learn anything by doing nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you can learn stuff from doing nothing, but you are you won't actually get the, like writing, you won't learn how to do until you start writing. Putting it out into the world, you'll never learn how to be good at that until you start putting it out into the world. So blogging is a great medium for that because you're writing and you're putting it out, writing and putting it out over and over. And through that, that's actually how you'll you'll discover something. And you'll learn to work with it better and you'll learn to work with the uncertainty but most people wanted to stay in safety and never step out of that into the unknown. So my whole program is encouraging you to actually stay, step out into the unknown, practice at your edge. Mm -hmm. And that's actually living fearlessly, not without fear, but, but being willing to go into the unknown. Mm. Yeah. So I'll, I'll use myself as an example. Um, okay. As a student from our discussion today, I've learned a few things. Yeah, as someone who's pursuing a passion project, I want to embrace the unknown. There's a lot of resistance every day, but what I can do mm. is first of all, think about what is my why, have that mm. maybe placed on my wall or somewhere on my desk that I see it every day to motivate me. Number two, just start, just start writing, uh, start building that in, in business plan. There's going to be a lot of fear along the way, but you just got to go, you just got to start and, mm -hmm. and potentially also have an accountability partner as well, because that'll keep you on track. I love it. 100%. Okay. Great work. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate Thanks it. I know there's, it. there's so much more to do, but I love the yeah. idea when I first saw that this program that you have is about uncertainty training. I was like, wow, that's amazing. I think that's something we, we all have. We all feel that inside. We're all uncertain. A lot of us are, and a lot of us are pursuing yeah. our passion, but there's also people who are still trying to figure out or are unclear of their purpose. And so I want to move the conversation over to that because you have a blog that talks about how to find your life purpose and mm -hmm. you share an unconventional approach and you recommend that we should get outside of our personal bubble. So I'm hoping you can expand on this. Yeah. So the personal bubble, I actually think that's, that's um, really, uh, this is where we usually live, right? So you might have a certain number of like coworkers or friends or family that you always talk to. Inter interact with and a certain number of things that you read uh, and listen to and watch. So this becomes even like who you look at it on Instagram, for example, like this is your bubble. Mm. And I, I think there's nothing wrong with that, but it becomes a zone of safety. This becomes the place where we, that we know really well. And I think that purpose is usually discovered outside of that. So when we start to venture outside of that, you know, when I mentioned like I'm running 5k and I'm going to run a marathon, that was outside of my known. I didn't know how to run a marathon. I didn't know how to actually how to do that. And so I had to actually start to talk to people. I read books. I started doing it. I started learning from my injuries. <laughs> I like learned learned all kinds of stuff. But once I stepped out of that, and I would say, if you're really stuck and like, okay, this only stuff that I can think of in terms of purpose is like the stuff I already know, I would say. It, it really would help to step outside of that. So what if you started talking to people you didn't know? Go join events, community organizations and start getting involved in things. Volunteer to like collaborate with people or, or help people out and step outside of that. And what it's going to come with some fear and uncertainty, but what you'll discover is there's going to be new stuff that triggers you to like think of new ideas You'll be talking to people who have different experiences than you, who give you different ideas, you know, being on this podcast and you've mentioned some other people that you've had before. Those people are great. They're outside of our usual bubble and they'll, they'll, you know, assuming that they are, they'll give us new ideas mm -hmm. and we'll have new experiences. And this is the place of discovery. So I really believe that discovery happens in the unknown and we usually try and stay in the known. So if you're noticing, like I'm staying in the known, I do the same thing every day, every week, and I'm talking to the same people, that's you staying in the known. If you want to discover anything new, including purpose, you have to be willing to venture outside of that. Yeah. You often talk about exploring our curiosities and usually yeah. a lot of that is outside of our comfort zone, <laughs> which is a yeah. good thing. 
but it's scary. People like, like they don't want to pursue it because like, oh, I'm safe right now. I don't feel I won't feel comfortable, but there's so much to learn. I always remind myself it's better to uh, regret the things that you did do than the things mm. that you didn't do. And that mm. is always at the back of my head. It's like, OK, well, if I I know this is dark, but if I were to pass away tomorrow, like would I have accomplished everything and would I be happy? And I would say no. <laughs> Mm. I'd be like, no, I have a lot of unfinished business that I want to accomplish. So it's like, you know, to remember, like it's baby steps and enjoy the process. And there's a lot of internal setbacks. Like, you know, I'm not ready. You know, I'm a perfectionist. I'm like, oh, it's not going to be perfect, but you just got to do a little bit every day, especially when it comes to writing a book. It's not going to be perfect. You just have to put your ideas onto paper and then compile them eventually. But I think those are some of the things that can hold us back. And you talk about on your, um, the fearless living Academy website, you talk about the five most damaging myths about finding your purpose. So mm. I definitely recommend our listeners check that out because there's things that we tell ourselves, but we need to undo those things that we tell ourselves and, uh, just do a little bit each day. Yeah. It's, it's hard to do that. Uh, this is why I work with people in coaching and like, you know, bringing people into these communities is because it's really hard to undo those stories that you talked about. Like the, we have these stories of like, I don't have enough time. I can't do it. You know, I don't have enough energy, all of these kinds of things, but it's hard to even see that we have them. They just feel true. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, we don't even think about it, but we can have someone outside of us reflect those kinds of like, oh, here's what I notice about you. That's actually why I coach people is because it really helps to have someone who can see what you can't see. But yeah, if we can undo some of those stories, we have so many stories that limit us and they're just invisible to us. This feel like actual like reality, like these walls are actually here, but they're not. So it's it's hard to undo that. But I I actually it's hard to do. It is a limiting story. It can be actually really fun and joyful to do that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I'm sure it's very rewarding for you. I always like to say you always get like a little bit of a helper's high when you can inspire another and kind of help them see what their roadblocks are and how they can do it. They can do what they want to do. So to start to close our conversation today, mm -hmm. I have a couple rapid fire questions for you. So short answers right. would be amazing. So what is one tool or time management system that you'd recommend our listeners implement to help them own their time better? I really recommend a, I like it in the morning. So a morning ritual of just really setting an intention. And when I say setting intention, not just like, I want to be grateful today, but mm -hmm. actually like, what do I, not only how I want to be, but also what I want to get done. So there'd be like the big rocks kind of thing. And in this ritual, I might look at my long to-do list and I might pick out of those, the most impactful ones, the things that are going to move forward, my biggest goals the most. Another way to think about that would actually be the question that you asked, or it would be a version of the question that you asked of like, what if, if I passed away today, mm -hmm. would I be happy? So the version of that question that I like to ask is, if I had one thing that I could do before I died, like, what would that be? Mm. So, you know, it could be like, I want to go hike Mount Kilimanjaro or something like that, but more like, right. is there like an offering, a gift of love? Uh, so I want to actually write one blog post that would be really meaningful to me. So I like to do that in the morning. And so then you have a list. And then I like to do what you said, which is time blocking. So at mm -hmm. that point, I will actually start to time block. And I like to be flexible with the time blocking. So if I don't actually hit it, I'll move things around. But that really helps me to be more intentional about the day and connect it to my bigger long-term things, like writing my grandmother's book or launching that retreat that I'm I'm running in October. So those kinds of things are ways to like, I want to actually create them. And so what am I going to do today that's going to move those forward? Yeah. Amazing. Super helpful. So what yeah. are one or two essential habits you suggest our listeners adopt to reduce mental stress and to help them be more present? Mm. I definitely re recommend a daily sit. Um, mm. If you have trouble sitting still, some kind of moving meditation would be an example. Uh, you know, yoga would be an example of that. But the idea is to give yourself at least a few minutes a day where you can actually be in that layer of being. So this mm. is just like, what does it feel like to be alive right now in this moment would be a good example so you just kind of like feel the experience of being alive and being here and just breathing and sitting and mm -hmm. uh, you know going through your emotions so I, I would say that would probably be my number one um 
Number two, I really like a daily reflection at the end of the day. And this, what this does is uh, not only like um, has you looking back at like, what did I get done? What did I experience? But also what can I learn about today? Mm -hmm. So that each day becomes a whole course for you on like how to like live your authentic life. And it'll also help you to spot things from earlier today that will like, oh, I missed when I was feeling a lot of anxiety about this. And I went and checked my Instagram all day. So then you can see it better the next day. Looking back on it helps you to look, uh, to notice it when it arises better. So that'll be the second one. Yeah. Well said. I, and I would add that I recommend a bullet journal method. If anybody is interested in a more analog way of documenting your time. Uh, so my last question is, can you share a few closing words to motivate our listeners to build and maintain a Zen lifestyle? A few closing words. Okay. What I want to say is that each of us innately has some qualities of greatness. These are the qualities of things like curiosity, like you mentioned, love, compassion, generosity, connection with everybody around us, uh, adventure and play and joy, the fullest expression of who we are. It's like the pers- the version of you when you were six years old before anyone taught you there's anything wrong with you. Mm-hmm. So that's still there in us. And I want to like encourage you to connect to that part of yourself. It is in every single human being. Mm-hmm. We all have these qualities of greatness and we have learned to disconnect from them and go towards what our fear tells us to do. And so if you spend that moment sitting, connecting to that part of yourself and encouraging that little inner child to like come out and play and fully express themselves. It doesn't have to be an inner child, but like your inner greatness to come out and say like, ah, today I want to feel adventure and just let that adventure just like run wild, be free. And if you can do that, it's really an expression of who you are. It's the authentic life. And it actually allows us to be expansive Mm -hmm. and open so that we can feel a sense of wonder and joy and just the full version of who we are. This is the part we don't connect with and don't allow out. And if you can do that every day, you will experience a whole different kind of life. So I really want to encourage people to connect to their inner greatness, whatever that is. Like I'm a being of wonder and like magic. Be that, like let yourself come uh, bring that out every day. Or, you know, what lights you up? What's that little thing that you can do every day to keep lit up? Um, in, In my, in my bullet journal that I have, I, I have three tasks. I have like my main big rock task I need to get done. Mm. It's usually a work task. I mm-hmm. have something, I, I challenge myself to do something social, whether that's meeting someone in person, having a conversation like today or making a phone call. And then of course, exercise. So uh. I always make sure that I do some form of exercise because for me running specifically, it helps me clear my mind. It helps me reset. It helps me get a boost mentally and physically. So yeah, so that's that's also something to add. But I love the fact that you really focus on being, you yeah. know, rather than doing and thinking. It's like, let's just try to be and embrace that inner child in mm-hmm. ways to keep us excited each day. So thank you so much for everything today. I really enjoyed our discussion so much. Gosh, you are you are so wise and you have so much wisdom to share. And where can our listeners find you? It would be great to also hear more about this retreat that you mentioned a couple of times. I, oh, sure. I, I'd love for you to share with our listeners. Yeah, you can find the main place to find me is Zen Habits. So it's zenhabits.net. And that's where you can find all my articles and other links to everything else. Yeah. And then Fearless Living Academy is the membership program where we have all the courses and uncertainty challenge. But the thing that I'm doing in October is called the Art of Letting Go Retreat. And this is going to be an in-person retreat in the mountains of North Carolina. And it'll be me leading it in person. And so we'll be sitting together. We'll be working together, doing practices And one of the cool things about it is that you'll be practicing with a bunch of other people who really care about this kind of stuff. It's Mm -hmm. really rare to find that in our daily lives. And so the thing I found is people just really feel lit up being around others who care about this and want to do some inner work and like some transformation. And so I love working with people in person. It's fun. I play Mm -hmm. music so that we can move around the room and we go deep and connect with ourselves and we practice at this layer of being. And so the art of letting go is really letting go, like letting ourselves fully feel these emotions and let them go, but also really being at that layer of being, which is the most important layer and the most neglected. So Mm. I invite you to come. I give 
uh, free hugs included, uh, oh. really good vegetarian meals and accommodations included as well. Oh, that's awesome. And a great sense of community, I can only imagine. And I yeah. will, of course, include all those links in the show notes. So thank you so awesome. much again, Leo, and we'll be in touch. Yeah, thank you. It's been an honor. Thank you for listening. I hope that this conversation with Leo Babara has left you feeling inspired to adopt mindful daily rituals that help you stop doing and start being. I highly recommend that you check out Leo's blog at zenhabits.net and also listen to his new podcast called the Zen Habits Podcast, where he provides a deep and intimate way of exploring the principles of mindfulness, simplicity, and intentional living. Plus, definitely check out all of his incredible books, including my personal favorite, Zen Habits, A Handbook for Life. And as always, you can find all of these links in the show notes. And you can find us on social media at Millennial Minimalist, and you can learn more about the podcast and our closet decluttering courses on our website at mastersimplicity.com. And you can also find these quick links in the show notes. And I want to close by saying a big thank you to all of you who have taken a moment to write us a kind rating review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We absolutely love reading your words. A few new ones came in and Lauren and I were like, ah, oh, these are so great. Your reviews also help our podcast grow and bring on more exciting guests like Leo. So thanks again for listening. And I will speak with you again in two weeks. Bye-bye.